0: Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Our Football Insider subscribers sent us questions and Mary Kay Cabot answered as many as we could over the course of the podcast. Uh, if you want to become a Football Insider subscriber, it's cleveland.com/browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get information and get signed up. There's something else I want to tell you about though, and that is our free Orange and Brown Talk podcast live on September 7th from 5 30 to 7 30 p.m. in person at the music box supper club uh we've done this before and it's always been a lot of fun so i hope you'll give it a shot uh, to come out and join us at the podcast this is the url you can use uh it's tinyurl.com orangebrown22 again tinyurl.com orangebrown22 that's all one word And that'll get you what you need if you want to join us for free at the Music Box Supper Club in the Flats, which is a great venue, by the way, too. It's on the water. It's awesome. Uh, So you'll want to be there for that as we will preview the 2022 Browns season. All right, here we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Our Football Insider subscribers sending us questions. We'll get through as many as we can. And of course, we got to start with a question about Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. This one comes from Glenn in Raleigh. Hey Mary Kay, Glenn lives in North Carolina and follows the Panthers as his second team. He can definitely see Baker reviving his career in Carolina and due to the Browns lack of success historically in openers it's not unreasonable to think they might lose to the Panthers in the opener so here are the questions I'll say it again hey Mary Kay how devastating is it going to be for the organization if they lose to Carolina with Baker quarterbacking the other side
1: oh my goodness that would be (laughs) about the worst possible way that you could start this very controversial and stressful season is by losing to Baker Mayfield my goodness I mean you could not uh, draw up anything more dramatic than that so of course Baker starting this game adds so much drama to it, Uh, the whole Deshaun Watson situation Jacoby Brissett going in there and and trying to beat Baker Mayfield. Uh, Yeah, that would be bad because the Browns need to get off to a really, really good start. Uh, They need to really win those very winnable games in the first four before they head into sort of the gauntlet of the season.
0: Yeah, I think devastating is probably too strong of a word. That's what Glenn used. But like, you know what you don't want to do if you're the Browns is spend a week listening to people talk about you losing to Baker Mayfield. Like it doesn't torpedo your season or end your season or anything but kind of twofold you've got to listen to that and also you just lost one of those games you're supposed to win early in the year
1: yes absolutely there would be so many layers to this and you know that baker mayfield is just going to be out of his mind for this game i mean he is going to be so fired up for this game Uh, he really knows how to use being snubbed and and being disrespected as a motivational tool for himself Uh, so the Browns had better hope that they can match that intensity Uh, they're going to need somebody to bring it on that defense and when we talked to Miles Garrett about this last week he was like no you know I I don't want uh, you know to beat him any more than I do anybody else well hopefully for the Browns and for that defense that's just rhetoric that that is just talk uh because he needs to be as ticked off at baker mayfield as baker is going to be for the cleveland browns and he's going to need to want to get there in a hurry and to completely wreak havoc on baker mayfield
0: yeah i think it's i think a lot of that is just kind of kevin sending out the signal like don't take the bait on this stuff publicly like we don't need anything out there any trash talk about baker we don't need anything to get him even more motivated than he's going to be you know we don't need to play that game but i'm i'm almost certain that it's going to be a topic in that building but just between players in the locker room but also like we know kevin knows how to motivate this team i keep thinking about that cincinnati game last year after all the odell stuff they turned around and played their best game of the year. They never played another game like that. And it, it just kind of shows me like Kevin seems to know how to get these guys going and, and kind of use things to motivate these guys. So I'm sure Baker's going to be a very big topic of discussion inside that building, but Kevin's probably going to do as much as he can to make sure it stays inside that building.
1: Yeah. And you know, he might also rely on the players to kind of get themselves going too. just Uh, maybe reminding them of certain things. Maybe he could even do that a little bit individually here and there. Uh, Different coaches have different ways of going about that, but he'll use, yes, he'll use anything he can to get these guys ready for a football game. And, you know, it's just weird when you would normally think about the Carolina Panthers playing the Cleveland Browns on September 11th in an opener, that would be sort of a meh kind of a game, right? (laughs) But it is... uh, this one has as much t- intrigue as any opener that the Browns have played in years.
0: Yeah, I mean, the NFL knew what it was doing. Uh, obviously, Russ had been traded already when the schedule came out, but they're sending Russ back to Seattle in week one. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe they had an inkling that Baker was going to end up in Carolina. So they decided to, to stick this game in, in week one as well. So uh, it, it should be interesting. So let's talk about some Browns quarterbacks. This comes from Jim in Boardman. He says, hey, Mary Kay, I'm having a tough time feeling confident about the season with Brissette and Dobbs playing such crucial roles. The Browns also don't have the firepower in the receiver room that they need. Can you help Jim and other fans feel more confident that this won't be a lost season?
1: Well, you know, we don't really know what it's going to look like until they get out there, but I will say one thing about this preseason. We have not seen, we did not see Jacoby Brissette play with Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, Amari Cooper, Joel Batonio, Jack Conklin. I mean, that's five pro bowlers. And the same thing happened with Deshaun Watson when he played. Now, I still do think that they could use another good receiver. Dan, you wrote about that the other day, too. We've been saying this over and over. You can't 100% count on some of these young guys that are going to be inconsistent. They're learning the ropes. And they really do need a surefire, sure-handed guy that can go out there When, uh, you know, when DBs are going to start roughing them up, because, I mean, really, David Bell doesn't even know the full extent of what is going to be coming his way quite yet. Uh, So I still think they need someone who's been through the rigors of the NFL. Uh, Don't know if they'll find that guy. But, um, you know, once they do that, then, you know, I think there are enough skill players on this offense, a good enough running game and a good enough defense to win some games and not lose this season.
0: Yeah, you know, when I was watching that game on Saturday night and you try not to play, like, the result too much, you know, I thought it was important. Like, on the defensive side, the defense didn't look great, right, even though there were starters playing. But then you kind of realize, like, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Denzel Ward, and Greg Newsom didn't play in that game. And those are arguably their four best players on defense, if not the four best, like, four of the top six or seven so it's kind of tough to judge the defense. And like you said, for as tough as it might've looked with Jacoby, he was targeting Anthony Schwartz a lot more than he's ever going to target Anthony Schwartz in a real game. Yeah. It's going to be Amari. It's going to be David Bell. It's going to be Donovan Peoples Jones. And and so I think it's, and like you said, the offensive line wasn't the full line. I think it's hard to kind of judge what we saw on Saturday night.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I have to almost wonder if Kevin Stefanski doesn't have some psychology going on with some of this, right? I mean, if you can lull your opponent into a little bit of a false sense of security by showing them that film from that game and having them think it's going to look anything like that uh, when they face the Browns on September 11th, you know, I mean, maybe there's something to be said for that. Maybe then all of a sudden you do spring the Kareem Hunts, Nick Chubbs, Mari Coopers, and, you know, Wyatt, I mean, uh, Joel Batonio's, On an unsuspecting team that, you know, thought, oh, Jacoby doesn't look very good at all. So, um, so yeah, I just don't think we've seen anything close to, you know, to what this football team is going to look like.
0: And I I was trying to find it somewhere. Bill Belichick had a really good quote about preseason games, not really being an indicator of what the team is or isn't. And that's something I've been thinking a little bit about kind of in these last few days, because we had some texters ask in our pregame Q&A, if Jacoby struggles in this game, does that make the Browns more urgent to go get Jimmy G? And my first thought was no. I mean, we've been watching, they've been watching, and we've been watching Jacoby since April. It's, it's really, these preseason games are really such a small piece of the evaluation. It's really what happens on the practice field and training camp. I mean, uh, I don't know how many practices they've had since April to now, but, but that's the, st- I mean, they know Jacoby Brissett really well. So one game wasn't going to change their thinking about him, especially a preseason game.
1: Right. And actually, you know, I thought he, he made a, a couple of nice throws in that game. He did not, as we mentioned, get any help whatsoever. But if you've got Amari Cooper out there, I think you're going to look a heck of a lot better than you did. Um, however, you know, he's not nearly as mobile as Joshua Dobbs is. So I actually think that, you know, in, in the event that they need a little bit of a boost, why not go to, go to your change up a little bit, you know, why not throw Joshua Dobbs in there? If you have to platoon the quarterbacks in certain situations. I mean, if you can take advantage of a defense by using a really mobile quarterback, uh, you know, why not do that? I thought the Steelers should have done that uh, back, you know, back in the day, a little bit when they. Uh, you know, when they were trying to figure out what to do for a few games with Mason Rudolph. And, um, you know, why not just take advantage of a unique skill set that Josh Dobbs has? But, you know, if you get into the season and you find that Jacoby Brissett is not cutting it, then you have to do something because you can't get to week 11, December 4th in Houston, when Deshaun Watson gets back and have nothing to play for by then. You can't do it.
0: So I've been thinking, I want to ask your opinion on this is Jacoby Brissett, are Jacoby Brissett and Terod Taylor, basically the same person. Like, you know, that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other and it's Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. I, I feel like Terod Taylor every year, some fan base just talks themselves into him and they're like, okay, we can win some games with Terod Taylor at quarterback. And then he goes out, and you kind of realize, okay, it's Terod Taylor. He's fine, but not quite enough. Is Jacoby a little bit like that, too? Like, you, you kind of talk yourself into, yeah, we can win some games with Jacoby, but ultimately he is, you, you do kind of see those limitations when he actually takes the field?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, if that were not the case, then I think he would have had a starting job by now. If he were more than that, uh, you know, I think there are enough openings around the league where, you know, if he would have been an upgrade, I think that they would have signed him to be their starting quarterback for the year. Uh, But I think people are, you know, probably going off the tape from last year uh, where I think he went like two and three in Miami and didn't necessarily have, you know, the greatest tape in the world. Of course, they didn't have Tyreek Hill back then. And uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but I would have to think that if he were a little bit more than, you know, what people seem to think, then, you know, maybe the Seahawks would have dialed him up this year, or maybe the, commanders would have or some the, <laughs> the Panthers exactly uh, so there are a number of teams that you know could have used I mean the Falcons right I mean there are there are teams that could have used a really good starting quarterback and if, if he were that then I think he would have found work
0: OK, a Deshaun Watson question here from John Turner in Fairfax, Virginia, uh, says, hey, Mary Kay, I hate to go back to a Watson question. It's fine, John. We like Deshaun Watson questions. He is this team's quarterback for a long time. Uh, but who decides if he has made enough progress in his rehab and counseling to enable reinstatement? Did you catch that question? Yes. OK. So
1: in his rehab, in his treatment program. Yeah. Well. Who
0: makes who makes that decision?
1: Um, That decision comes from the third party provider. I still actually have to do a story on this, but that comes from the third party provider. So that is not the NFL. That is not Roger Goodell looking over the notes and saying, oh geez, you know, we don't think he's made enough progress. No, that that is the professional that he's going to be working with has to say how far he's come in his in his treatment. And if he has made it to all the appointments on time, or if not, did he have a good excuse for missing one, or whatever the case may be. So that is up to the third party provider.
0: And that's an interesting distinction, because I thought the story you wrote, was it Friday, you posted it where you where you talked to one of the NFL's um, advisors, I guess, is, is what we would call her. Right. And she. I thought she made a point that we sort of made on our podcast um, after the suspension came down, which was talking about the tone change with Watson. And I my ears kind of perked up as I, as I was reading that story. I'm like, oh, that's sort of what we talked about, too. I thought it was interesting that she saw that. Um, so it's probably important for Deshaun's sake that the NFL really isn't going to be the ones making this decision ultimately.
1: Yes, that is true. It will be um, an independent third party and you know and these are you know professionals who do this kind of work and um and not just specifically you know psychological work but um but that work with individuals who have a history of some kind of sexual assault or sexual misconduct or you know sexual violence or something along uh, those lines so um so they are going to know exactly what they're talking about, and everyone can rest assured uh, that this independent third-party provider will have no agenda. They w- they are not, you know, they are not working for the league per se, uh, and uh, and they will come up with a decision that uh, you know that is sound and professional.
0: Okay. This question kind of goes a little bit back to what we just talked about, but I do want to ask it from Mike Zavarilla in Frisco, Texas. Hey, Mary Kay, the Browns offense still does not appear to be organized and polished. Is that a function of the missing starters or cause for
1: alarm? Once again, I think it is a function of the missing starters. I really do. I mean, all you have to do when you game plan for, for the opener is, you know, if nothing else, focus very heavily on the running game, the short passing game, the screen game, the play action game. I mean there are so many things that you can do to be efficient on offense. Now of course, you do want to be able to stretch the field and it would be a lot easier to do that if Anthony Schwartz were playing well right now, but I mean he he's just not. I think the way to get him back is to get some you know high percentage passing plays and even running plays uh, in his hands. I mean get him, on some jet sweeps and some reverses and see if you can't kind of get his confidence back that way or some other short passes, try to get the the ball into his hands and see if the, he can then turn on the speed and get rolling. Um, but for the most part, I think there's enough that you can do uh, that, you know, that you think that you can get this offense going with Jacoby.
0: Okay. Well, you mentioned Anthony Schwartz there. There was an Anthony Schwartz question. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to get to Anthony Schwartz and we're going to get to as many, we're flying through these questions. So we're just going to get to as many as we can here today uh, on some quick hits here on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. And back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, Hey Mary Kay edition, Allison from Columbus. Hey Mary Kay. Any more word on Anthony Schwartz and some of the issues we've seen? Seems he'll be on the 53-man roster, but how do they get him regular season ready? You touched on some of what they can do with him, but I would just add, what can they count on from Anthony Schwartz at this point, at least early in the season?
1: You know what? I I think early on in the season, they're going to have to go with more of the sure bet. So you're going to throw the ball to Amari Cooper. You're going to throw the ball more to Donovan Peoples-Jones. David Bell has established himself to be a pretty reliable receiver so far. And then you're going to rely on Kareem Hunt and your tight ends. And right now you have to take it very slowly with Anthony Schwartz. You can't have him out there being someone that's going to get five, six, seven targets in a game and he's dropping passes or he's running the wrong route. He needs to work through his issues. I think he probably could benefit from talking to maybe a sports psychologist right now that can help him kind of get through this slump that he's in, because he does have the speed, he does have some talent, and he's just not showing it right now. Uh, And I I do think it's in his head. It's getting in his head. So he's got to block everything out. Don't look on social media. Don't read articles written about you. You know, don't go out right now. I mean, just like stay really focused, keep your inner circle really tight and work on getting your confidence back. And then slowly he should be eased back into getting the ball. And once he proves that, you know, that he can deserve it, and he's going to have to have really, really good practices too. But once he proves that he can do this and, and the DB should go hard on him, as hard on him as they can in practice. Uh, once he shows that that he's kind of busted through some of that, then you can start trying to get him the ball again.
0: And, you know, if he does in fact make the 53-man roster, and all indications seem to point to that, and unless something changes between now and Tuesday – Look, I I don't necessarily see it with him. Um, If they cut him, I wouldn't, you know, scream and yell and say, oh, you got to give him more time. But I do think it's a good sign organizationally that you're like you drafted this guy 16 months ago or something like that. I think it's a good sign that they're willing to stand beside a guy and say, we're going to work to develop him. Some third round picks don't make it. Like it happens. I mean, we named Les Sneed the best GM in, in the NFL when we did our GM draft. If you if you go look at his draft history, there's some third rounders. It's like, I don't even remember that guy. But you still have to give them time and, and work to develop guys and see if they can turn into something because maybe maybe he's maybe he will get over this and, and maybe he will make some plays for you down the road. So again, I don't mind them trying to hang on to him a little bit longer especially because there's not another guy in that room that I'm like oh well you have to keep him instead
1: yeah you're exactly right about that uh so yeah I think it's too soon for them I still think that um especially from a speed standpoint they feel that he is talented enough uh you know to get out there and to stretch the defense and and to make an impact. Now, I mean, will he or will he not? I mean, it's starting to uh look now like, you know, you know, it might not happen. I mean, who knows if it'll happen or not. Uh but he's got to get through whatever it is he's going through right now and and get over to that other side where he can show his talent and he can show his ability because we see him make some nice plays in practice. Um but you've got to get out there in a game and you've got to be able to do it. I think he's got to get mentally tougher and maybe even a little physically tougher. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just it, it seems like there's something there physically where I don't know if he hears footsteps. I don't know if it's the notion of taking that big hit that's coming. Uh, not really sure what what that's all about. But uh, somehow it, it just seems like he's got to be a little bit more aggressive in his route running in in, in trying to win the contested ball and running downfield for the go route. So, yeah, he's just he's got a, he's got some work to do.
0: Yeah, I think um, two two things on Saturday. There was obviously the play where he got where he ran into the defender. Right. Like that's one of those things that like that just can't happen. And then that deep ball and it was a tough catch and maybe he made it tougher. I don't know. And I it's a little unfair maybe to look at that and say, well, he dropped it. because I, I don't necessarily know that it was a drop, but that's a ball that I'd like to see him go get. You know, like if you're if you're super fast and you have that speed catching up to the ball and going and getting it is something you have to be able to do. So that was probably the least egregious of what he did on Saturday night. But that play to me was like one of those, you know, I I need you to I'd like you to go get that football. And and I almost wonder if you know, I don't know. I wonder if they're looking at the film of that game and saying the same thing like that's a ball you have to go get.
1: You know, I kind of think so, because when we talked to Jacoby after the game, he made it seem like, yeah, I, you know, I threw him open there and that is a ball you have to go get. I mean, you know, he got behind the defense and, you know, it's, it's not going to be always perfect, but, um, you know, that was within reach enough that, you know, that one extra half step he needed to get there. And with the speed that he has, you would think that he could. So um so yeah I I would think I mean it would have been a spectacular catch it would have been but um but that's what you're looking for from him.
0: So I thought this was an interesting question from Allen in Indianapolis. Uh, hey Mary Kay, Donovan Peoples-Jones and this year's 6th and 7th rounders look like viable NFL players. What do you think are some of the keys to picking great second and third rounders but I, he's asking about 6th and 7th rounders so we'll even take it that far. Let's just say day 2 and 3 guys who can become starters versus missing on those picks.
1: Yeah. You know what? Well, first of all, it takes a lot of work from, from your scouting staff, and it takes a lot of sort of general consensus. And I know that this team a lot of times will go around a room or go around, um, you know, to their coaching staff and they will, solicit input on how you know who did you like out of those late round guys. And I know they did that with Michael Woods. Michael Woods was one where it was almost unanimous that everybody really thought you know he is somebody that if if he's around in the sixth round, let's go get him. So I think taking input from different places is is very helpful and beneficial. Um, but this this team is establishing itself as a team that can find those late round gems. And I think it just speaks to the strength of, of your scouting staff. When you're coming up with guys who you absolutely don't want to part with and who are going to make a big contribution, even in their first year, when you drafted them in the sixth or seventh round. And there are a number of guys on this football team in that category, including Donovan Peoples-Jones, including this year, I think it's going to be Michael Woods, Isaiah Thomas, seventh rounder, uh, defensive end, who has shown some really nice things, Demetric Felton. Uh, so th- this is a team that, um, you know, that can, can go deep into the draft and, uh, and then they, they have the patience to stick with these guys.
0: I I think that last part is really important too. It's Mm -hmm. that idea of you've had stability now for three years, not, I mean, really, this is going to be unprecedented stability. I don't know if they'll ever, ever have this kind of stability again, where the the entire coaching staff has basically been together for three years with a little bit of shakeup here and there. Um, but Andrew Barry kind of knows what he's drafting for. Right. And Kevin knows what Andrew Barry is, is picking, but he knows like, okay, I'm going to take Michael Woods and I'm going to give him to Chad O'Shea and Chad O'Shea and this offensive staff are going to develop him, and and we're going to put the time and effort into it. And again, sometimes that's not going to work. It could come down to work ethic or injury or something like that. But if you make that commitment to a player and you, you know, you obviously liked the player to begin with, that guy's going to have a chance to to at least turn into something for you.
1: Yeah, and as they have demonstrated, they will really give their draft picks the benefit of the doubt, and they will stick with them as long as they possibly can. And sometimes you wonder, is is it too long? Um, And in some cases, it will prove to be that. Uh, But they draft them really young here. Remember that. They go for the youngest guys that they possibly can, for the future. And then they work hard to develop them. So that is a strategy uh, of this regime that we've come to find out that when you have a Jerome Ford, it doesn't really matter all that much necessarily what he does this year. He's more about next year and the year after same thing with Demetric Felton, you'll start to see him come into his own. And you can afford to do that when you draft a guy at the age of 20, 21 years old, And uh, you know, you just have that extra year with them. Then
0: Um, this question actually just came in while we were recording. You already kind of answered it, but Brian from Delaware, we uh, were—I guess we had ESPN here on this. He was—he said, "Would it be useful for the Browns to utilize Joshua Dobbs' athletic skills for the occasional play, or would that throw off Brissett's rhythm?" Mary Kay, you knew that question was coming.
1: I did. I do have ESPN, as we like to say on (laughs) Mean Girls. Um, But yeah, I, I thought that back when I saw him. With the Steelers, like why not do that? And why don't teams do that more? In fact, if I were the Ravens, I would find somebody who is a little different than Lamar and change it up with that person from time to time. I think quarterbacks sometimes are are handled with kid gloves too much, and you feel like you can't shake anything up or take them out for a play. I mean, why not? It's done in so many other positions. I mean, you know, you have specialty players at many, many other positions, including, you know, wide receiver and and running back and, and many of these other positions. And, you know, why not take a quarterback out and put somebody else in who can do something for you in that moment that the other guy can't? It makes so much sense to me. Nobody ever does it. Hardly anybody ever does it. But if someone starts to do it, like, I mean, right now, hey, why not? If you were the Tennessee Titans, you're telling me you wouldn't put Malik Willis in for some things right now. I mean, who knows, you know, what's going to happen with that situation. But if, if I were them, I would be using him uh, to, you know, to provide that, that change up and completely throw off a defense. And I, if I were the Browns, I would do the same thing with Josh Dobbs.
0: We, we've seen the Raiders do it with Marcus Mariota. When, when mm-hmm. he was there, they they would bring him in for occasional plays. I, I mean, you've got the, you've got the guy, you've got the roster spot. And I understand you want to protect your backup and you don't need your backup getting hurt, but like, you know, use it, like Mm -hmm. be creative. These are supposed to be the smartest offensive minds in the NFL. And I think sometimes they get a little bit scared of like, Oh, I can't, I can't do this and get this guy hurt. But like, you're trying to win games, be creative, Do, do something different. Think outside the box.
1: Yeah. And the other thing about that too, is sometimes I think they worry too much about the impact that it will have on the starting quarterback. If he's standing over on the sidelines in a key goal line situation or on a key third down or in a two minute drill or something like that Uh, you know, what will that do to his psyche? Don't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about that. It's the game of football. And you have to be professional. If that player can come in and, and make some kind of a play that you can't in a crucial situation and you win the game and make the playoffs and possibly go to a Super Bowl because of it, you know, have at it.
0: Okay. This comes from Ronnie butcher in Chapmanville, West Virginia. One of our regulars. Hey, Mary Kay. will Kevin Stefanski lean a little harder on the ground game, these first 11 games, or will he repeat his mistakes from last year and passing way too much? I actually think this was a topic today, a little bit on sports talk radio as well. How much to use Nick Chubb in that ground game?
1: Well, I would use all these running backs in the ground game and in the short passing game. I mean, Jerome Ford has demonstrated an uncanny knack for catching the ball out of the backfield. So why not use him too? I would use him and Kareem in that way. So yes, I would run the ball a lot more. I would get very, very creative with your running game. You've got the offensive line uh, that can block for these guys. I would not only, um, you know, I would use Nick and Kareem together on the field. I would mix it up. Yeah, I would definitely do that, especially uh, if you have some guys that are going to be struggling. And you know what? I mean, Anthony Schwartz isn't going to be the only young receiver that struggles. I think that David Bell will have his growing pains as well. We've seen it in practices against the Eagles. You know, he's talking, you know, I asked him what he learned about himself. Uh, through those practices and through, um, you know, through the game. And he said the speed of the game is way different than what it was in college. And he still is going to be adjusting to that.
0: Okay. Uh, One more here. I got to find it real quick. It comes from Sarah in Solon, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay with Jakeem Grant out for the season. Is there any pure punt returner the Browns should be looking to add, or is the answer already on the roster?
1: You know, this is a really, really good question because I don't know that there is a pure punt returner uh, that's out there just kind of floating around or isn't on somebody's roster. But I do think uh, that over these next few days, they will be looking uh, to either bolster the receiver position or to bring in a returner slash receiver that can sort of serve the role that Jakeem Grant did. I think that that was a huge blow to them. I mean, he, he was going to be devoted mostly to that, and then also be able to contribute as a wide receiver. And now, I really don't see necessarily that dynamic returner per se. I, you know, I don't know that Michael Harley is making this football team, uh, and I don't know who else is necessarily, you know, going to be plugged into that role very easily. So I think they still need to keep looking around a little bit.
0: Yeah. And they were so excited, it seemed like, especially Mike Prefer, of course, to get this return game going again. Like, it seems like it's something they really prioritize. And now the air is kind of out of that balloon with Jakeem Grant. And it's, I, I don't know, I guess it's going to come down to is someone like Jakeem Grant's good enough that even if, even if you just put him on the roster to return kicks and he was going to do more, but even if that's why he was here, that's worth it the guy's got to either be able to help you at wide receiver and return kicks, or he's just got to be elite enough that you're fine giving up that roster spot to just a returner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I wonder how this is going to shake out over the next three or four days, because I'm still doing my uh, Johnny come lately, 53 man mm-hmm. roster right now after they already made seven moves today. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but um But I do think that they need that that guy that can be that designated home run hitter in that spot, which is what they had before. So you would really like to try to replace that if you can. Again, not easy, but there might be somebody out there that just couldn't necessarily make it as a receiver on someone's team that can come in and be your returner.
0: Yeah, well, we will let you uh, go ahead and um, finish that 53-man roster before the Browns make more moves, so <laughs> right. uh, so you can get that up. Uh, I told people about this in the intro before we started uh, the actual podcast itself, but just a reminder, we're doing a live Orange and Brown talk at the Music Box Supper Club down in the Flats. Uh, it's going to be in person. We've done this before pre-COVID, and it, it was always a lot of fun, uh, so if you just go to tinyurl.com/orangebrown22. That's all one word, orangebrown brown twenty two, and I'm going to put a link to this in the description of the podcast as well. Uh, you can get information and hopefully join us at the Music Box Supper Club. Um, that's actually going to be our podcast the next day, our big season preview podcast. So uh, you don't want to miss that. You want to be a part of that. We'll do Q and As. It'll be a, a lot of fun. Uh, a chance to meet all of us in person, and of course become a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash brown's the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that because all our questions came from our text subscribers mary Kay, i i'll talk to you later sounds
1: great